0: This past Friday evening, Pastor John Ferguson, who portrayed John, the beloved disciple, closed our funeral for Jesus with these words. I think it would be a good idea to gather together again early Easter morning. Sunday morning. Well, it's Sunday morning. And we're here together. And we all know the exciting news, and we've heard it. Manifested through the air that Jesus Christ is risen. And I know you began this service with a traditional Easter greeting that has been used for thousands of years. And it is, He is risen. And your response, He is risen indeed. Let's say it again. He is risen. He He is is risen indeed. indeed. If I had my way, I would have us all leaping up into each other's arms Kissing necks as we made that proclamation. If I was king for a day. (laughs) The phrase, he is risen, it looks incorrect. It looks funky, doesn't it? It doesn't seem to follow any uh, typical verb tense or rules. And it makes people question whether it's right. Is is a verb that is present tense. But risen is a past tense to rise. And we combine the two and we're mixing two forms which confuses many people who uses them. However, in this case, we know as Christian, is is used as an eternal truth. Meaning that Christ is risen and will always be risen. firstborn from the dead, continual never ending action, alive. And it is our claim forever. And here's the truth. God wants you to experience the same thing. God wants you to have a resurrected Easter life that is continual. Something that you behold forever. Knowing with all of who you are that Jesus Christ is risen and have that eternal truth change your reality. Our gospel lesson today is all about God wanting Everyone to know that he is risen. And he does strategic ministry in this passage of scripture with that mission. And Jesus shows up in various places to make sure that his followers know that reality. Today is no different. Now if I'm a preacher worth my salt... I would make sure that this is proclaimed from this pulpit this morning with enthusiasm and excitement, and I hope you can smell it and feel it. And I want to tell you that I'm very, very just honored to be here. It's a dream for me to proclaim this. This is my home church, and to be standing in this pulpit on Easter Sunday just gives me the chills. And I'm so honored and privileged to bring this message to you. This morning we are going to look at the most vivid resurrection appearances in the Bible. Let's look at this scripture together. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them, with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked him, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels... Who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb. And found it just as a woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. From this scripture. It's an Easter afternoon. Cleopas and his friends. Have been followers of Jesus. And I use that in a past tense. But they've now thrown in the towel. They've quit. They're limping down. That road to Emmaus from Jerusalem. They're broken. They're defeated disciples. Here are some facts from this scripture. They know about the crucifixion. They saw it with their own eyes. They've heard hints about the resurrection. But they have not experienced the risen Christ. They're disappointed. They're disillusioned. They're defeated. They're heartbroken. They're downcast. And they trudge along down this Emmaus road toward home. Their hopes for the future have been dashed. So not knowing what else to do, they turn back their back on their old life. The bubble has burst. Picture them in your mind for a second. Their shoulders are just slumped. Their heads are bowed as they carry on their backs a crushing burden of defeat and dejection. They limp along with weary steps as if they had lead in their shoes their eyes are mistied over with tears of disillusionment they walk in silence they dare not speak because they might have uncontrollable sobbing about what they just experienced over the past couple days their cries of he's dead he's gone it's all over they've killed him and we're nothing without him we should have known this wouldn't work it was too good to be true Jesus was too idealistic for this cruel world. How could we have been such fools? We followed him. We trusted. We thought he was the one that would save us. But now it's all over. And you hear, we hoped, we hoped, we hoped. you ever felt like that? You just had to get away from the pain, the grief? Or you felt like life had given you more than you could handle? Have you run away from life or maybe run away from your faith? Have you ever been deeply disappointed, maybe even disappointed in God? Have you lived with unmet expectations, felt lost, as if your world had been turned upside down? Have you ever wrestled with those big questions, who am I now, after tragedy? What's next? Where do I go? What should I do? Can you remember a time when you did everything right and life still didn't work out as you planned or as you wanted? Have you grieved the death of a loved one? Grieved a dream that did not become a reality? Do you now grieve possibly about your future? Has your life been ever shattered? If so, from these questions you know what it's like to be Cleopas and his companion. These guys are leaving Jerusalem. Who can blame them? Jerusalem's a place of pain, sorrow, and loss. It's a place of death, unmet expectations and disappointments. It's a place where their lives were shattered. No one wants to stay in a place like that. I sure don't. (laughs) Do you? As they walk, they're talking about all the things that happened, and I suspect all the things that didn't happen. They heard rumors... That Jesus was alive, but it sounded like an idle tale. There's nothing to keep them there. But little do they know. Little do they know that resurrection's just around the bend for them. And here's the truth: someone joins them. A person, a person that chooses to reveal himself at a at an appropriate time. And we know who it is. And you and I know who it is. We cheer in the background this morning because the good news is this, that Jesus joins them and he listens to them. Folks, Jesus shows us right from the get-go that he wants to hear his disciples, his followers' hearts in all circumstances. And he walks beside them and he asks about their discussion. Their eyes are kept from recognizing him. And this is Jesus' first post-resurrection appearance in Luke. And it's, it's, it's dynamic, but it's mysterious at the same time. He has a normal human appearance, but it's different enough that, that he's not initially recognized. And there's some drama here. We can feel it. Jesus asks them about their discussion. He listens in. He wants to hear what the word is, and he wants to hear their sad, sorrowful hearts. And he wants to know those shattered dreams and that core pain. On this side of He is risen, Jesus is on a care giving mission. And it's the same today, my friends. When the stone, stone rolled away from Jesus' borrowed tomb, supernatural care was unleashed in the world. And Jesus wants every follower to know in Him. The things of death, sorrow, and pain are remedied by His dynamic, resurrected power ministry. You see, God wants to listen to our broken hearts, my friends, our broken dreams. Mother Teresa said He comes most often through those who are suffering, the poorest of the poor, those disenfranchised by the world. His way is the way of care with deep love. Sometimes we don't recognize him because we are too overrun with our circumstances, don't we? But he's still there. He's still there. That's the way Jesus often comes, incognito. He joins us on the ways, on the way, and many times we don't recognize that he's there. Why does he join us? He joins us to raise us up into a new reality of faith, my friends. He reminds us that while we may experience periods of darkness, adversity, and suffering at times, Easter means that these things will never have the final word. There's more to tell. Let's look at it. Luke 24, 25-27. He says to them, How foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus launches into a rebuke. I can relate because I've heard it before. God's rebuked me before, and I needed it. He calls them foolish and slow to believe. He also reminds them of what they heard and what they already know. The Messiah had to suffer and then enter into glory. And then he ministers to them, my friends, with the word of God. It's a mobile Bible study. He doesn't want these guys to stay in the fog of being blinded by those circumstances. He explains the promises of God to these two weary travelers. He begins with Moses, and he probably talked about the deliverance of the Israelites from the slavery of Egypt and how the Passover happened and how the Passover, how death passed over the blood on the doorpost of those houses. And he probably went into the prophets and quoted scriptures about himself. And this Emmaus discussion underscores the point. That the traumatic events surrounding Jesus are a part of God's plan of deliverance. What they have seen is not the end of hope, but the beginning. Truth. God wants the scriptures to penetrate our lives to the point where confusion and unbelief dissipate, my friends. God helps us understand you know there are so many things that I don't understand we can all relate I'm sure you can relate I've been facilitating our new grief support group called Grief Share and I have heard so many painful questions go out into the air about loved ones passing away I've sat beside people and listened to their sorrow beautiful people precious beloved people People who have lost a brother, wife, husband, son, dad, or mom that have passed away. You know, we all shrink before the mystery of death. We know on this road of the human journey there will be mourning and sorrow. But I believe the old saying is true. And it's a promise I think you can take with you into the eternal. We'll understand it better by and by. On this human journey, God wants you to understand one thing, though, that He teaches these disciples how you've been delivered from sin and death. The church is a proclaimer of this story. And the body of Christ and its many members should know this with all of who they are. A resurrected person knows how and who their deliverer is. Carry your testimony know it. Make it be closer to you than your breath. Here's my song of deliverance. I was delivered on May 24th, 1991. I came into a church on a college retreat called Chrysalis and I was confused. I had unbelief. I doubted. And then I heard that Friday night, the parable of the prodigal son. I clearly saw That I had wandered away from God and that I had squandered the inheritance. I was squandering my life that God had given to me. In that parable that Jesus told that I heard that night, I saw my sin. I knew I needed a Savior. And lo and behold, in that story I heard how a father was running to me, arms outstretched. And I ran into those arms that night. The very very best way I can describe my song of deliverance is through a couple verses of my favorite hymn, And Can It Be, and it became my life song. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him death pursued? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, hast died for me? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I awoke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed with righteousness divine. Bold, I approached the eternal throne and claimed the crown through Christ my own. I found that night that I was born into a new reality that God helped me understand. And I felt love that I had never felt before. And Jesus came alongside of me and made me alive in him on that day. In two months, I read the Bible, and I read and allowed the Bible to minister unto me, and I was called right there into ministry. I know my deliverance song, and I want to sing it all the time. I want to proclaim this gospel to you. What's your story? How were you delivered? If you aren't, if you don't believe you've been, you can be delivered today, my friends. God is waiting, desiring, running to you, desires to save you from sin and death and the fears of this world. You know, we had two powerful services on Monday, Thursday and Good Friday. We found out it is absolutely necessary to hear his passion and then journey through the darkest experience, the darkest experience that Jesus That Jesus took upon himself and seeing him take his last gasping breath and saying, It is finished on that cross. Why? In order to receive the new dawn of Easter this Sunday morning. Easter resurrection deliverance. Let's continue in our scripture. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. They, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went with them to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened. They recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us? They got up. They returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. You see, Cleopas and his friends They don't want to leave the presence of this dude, this guy in incognito, Jesus incognito. They hunger for his teaching. And their hearts are burning with passion to hear more. They want to hear more about his song of deliverance. They persuade him to come in. They invite him in when that day is nearly over. And there's something calming about this scene, my friends. There's a pastoral feel to it. Jesus reclines at the table. And we get a glimpse of the first communion practice after the resurrection. It's beautiful. He takes bread. Give thanks. He breaks the bread. It says that their eyes are open. They see him. It's Jesus. And then he gives them the bread. There's a rush in this narrative. Their eyes are open to that reality. They see that it is their Lord. And everything that they were, they were grieving over on that road to the Emmaus walk is gone now. He gives them a glimpse of his resurrected reality and then he vanishes. And they can't help themselves. They forget about how late it is. And they take off and they head back to Jerusalem. Who cares if it's seven miles? They probably ran. They probably broke records. No big deal. Why? Because these guys are now resurrected people. They are resurrected people. You see, Christ shares his resurrection with us. And when we experience the risen Lord, we, like Cleopas and his friends, we get resurrected too. We get new life as well. There's a story about a lady named Carol Johnson, and she was the organist at her church in Indiana. She was an outstanding musician, but she did something no organist should ever do. Danny, she overslept on Easter Sunday. She missed the sunrise service. That's like Joe Burrow snoozing through the first quarter of the Super Bowl. She was so embarrassed. Of course, the minister and the church, they forgave her. They teased her about it some, but it was all done in a loving, fun way. However, the next Easter, her phone rang loudly at 5 a.m. It jolted her awake by, with a loud, insistent ringing of the phone, and she scrambled over to answer it. It was the minister, and he said, Carol, it's Easter Sunday morning. The Lord is risen. I suggest you do the same. <laughs> now, folks, there's a sermon somewhere in there. The Lord is risen. I suggest you do the same. The message is clear. We too can be resurrected, my friends. And Christ shares his resurrection with us. He rises so we can. Jesus is searching for you. Why? To lift you up into a higher reality of faith. Not only does he want you to know he's alive, he wants you to know that you can have new life through him you too can have a new start through him. By the miracle of God's amazing grace, you too can be brought out of the tombs that try to imprison you. The resurrection enables us to live differently because we have been given something permanently that we have never been given before. The agent of our transformation And the one who enlivens us this day as we grow in God is his own Holy Spirit and resurrection power. Because we have been united to Christ in a living, vital way. We receive life and power through his Holy Spirit. And just as he gave the bread to them, he gives himself to us. Living out the new way will shape everything about us. It will slowly transform our values, our attitudes, our perceptions of ourselves and others. The reality of the new life in Christ must begin to seep into our consciousness and penetrate everything that we do. My friends, there's a dramatic part of the Easter story. Christ was resurrected and so were his followers. He arose and exploded out of the tomb. So did they. And thank God, because we can too. Christ comes to us in a special way when we're hurting. The risen Christ has the power to heal our hurts. The risen Christ shares his resurrection with us and live in his risenness and run back to Jerusalem. Run back into our pain with his final victory. The Lord is risen. I suggest you do the same. Amen. We're going to take a few moments and I want to pray with you just for a minute. I'd like for you to close your eyes. And I want you, first of all, to imagine Jesus meeting up with you as you are taking a walk. I'd like for you to ask him to reveal truth to you that you have never recognized before ask Jesus to open your eyes to see him in a new way Ask him to minister to you in your pain. And ask him what he's calling you to do as you surrender to him and willingly obey. Amen.